mainspring forward, and if you're not, hopefully your mainspring will engage and you'll, you'll get um, a little more awake as we go along. Um, took me a while to wake up back there so much that I forgot to start the, the PowerPoint. We're doing things a little differently this morning with Jeff being out of town, but it's good to see you here seated with us. If you're joining us online, um, we are online this week, and that is exciting. And so it is good to, uh, to be here together on this spring day. If you're visiting with us, it's our pleasure that you've joined us. If you're a regular member, it is awesome that, um, that you're here. Um, we know some folks are enjoying spring break and traveling, so uh, we are glad to see you. Let me just mention a couple of things. We're collecting throughout um, this month our offering for Annie Armstrong, which is for the North American missions. It's missions in, in Canada, the United States, and in Mexico. Our church goal is $3,500, and there were envelopes out front if you want to contribute, or you can just put a, a check or cash in the offering plate and just please designate that for, for Annie Armstrong. Also, just encourage you Wednesdays at 11, we meet for our Bible study and time of prayer. We're looking um, at an overview of the Gospels. We finished the Gospel of Matthew last week, and so we're going to look at Mark this week as we just look through there and just see the overall picture of what they tell us about um, the Lord Jesus. And then also on Wednesday evenings at 6.30, if you are available, you can join us for, for prayer. We'll be uh, still meeting on, on Zoom. It's a wonderful opportunity to engage God um, in, as we engage in prayer, as we reach out to the Father to, uh, to move on behalf of our, our families, our church, and our, our community. And then also uh, men, just 6.30's Elk Diner um, breakfast if you are interested in that. I want to read some scripture this morning as we set the tone for our time together. If you are, want to follow along, I'm in the first chapter of Ephesians. Let me start. I'll start reading in the second verse and read down through the tenth verse. And then we'll take opportunity to, to pray with one another. Paul begins with a greeting of blessing. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank You that we can gather together this morning in Your name. And we thank You that we come as a people called by Your name who have obtained an inheritance that we have been chosen according to your purpose, your purpose that works everything for the good according to your will. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, and we give praise for that. 
We thank you that when we heard the word of truth, the message of the gospel and believed that we were given the seal and the promise of your Holy Spirit, the deposit that guarantees our inheritance until the day that we fully possess it. And we give you praise for that. And Lord, this morning we give you thanks for your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the privilege we have to worship in his name. God, help us as we sing to lift our voices to you as a voice of praise, of affection and love. Help us to tune our hearts to your voice, to listen to your spirit, and to hear what you desire to say to us this morning. And, O Lord, as we turn our minds toward the things that happen outside of these walls, we're, we're mindful of the presence of evil in this age. We're mindful of, of disease and sickness, of struggles and heartaches. And, and Lord, we ask this morning that you would give us a heart of compassion toward those around us. Lord, help us to see people as the Lord Jesus sees them and help us to show love and to speak truth. God, help us to turn our hearts toward you this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
you have your Bible and you want to follow along, you can turn to the, the sixth chapter of Ephesians. We'll be there this morning as we conclude our brief study at looking at prayer as we grow closer and closer to Easter. And it's wonderful to celebrate together that there really is no other name that is higher than the name of Jesus. That's the name that that saves, the name that heals, the name that forgives, the name that ultimately gives victory. And it is a joy to, to sing about the name of Jesus, to sing of his sacrifice, to sing of the victory that he secured on the cross and by his resurrection. And it is a wonderful privilege that as a follower of Jesus, we have the opportunity to participate in the victory that he has already secured on our behalf. Because here's the reality, you and I face battles every day. And human nature, in our, in our flesh, we want to do it ourselves, we want to fix it, and we think, well, we can just work a little bit harder. Or maybe we could do a little extra, give a little more, or be a little better. Because we love to live by the if-then principles of life. You know, if I just do this, then that relationship will be restored. Or if I do this, then maybe my prodigal child will return. Or if I do this, I'll be healed. If I do this, then I'll receive protection and I'll be safe. And the list could go on and on and on. But the truth is, we're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We're not powerful enough to win the battle on our own. That's why the writer of Proverbs and other places in the Bible tells us that the victory belongs to the Lord. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to just offer to you this morning that our part in the battle is important. How we fight, it matters. But the way we do it is in the place of prayer. And we pray to see victory that can only come through the Lord Jesus. So I'd like to read these verses for you. I'm going to start in verse 10 of chapter 6, read through verse 18, and then we'll pause and pray together. But as we read from, from God's Word, we find in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in this evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Father, we ask this morning that you would help us to gain insight to your word. We thank you that it is true. 
We thank you that it stood the test of time, and we thank you that you've given your Holy Spirit that both interprets and teaches us. And so take these words that are on these pages and apply them to our hearts this morning. Teach us and help us to be ready to be taught. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to just offer up to you the idea that prayer is the spiritual weapon that believers use to secure victory. So if you're looking for victory in your life over some situation or circumstance, the pathway to victory is through prayer. It's how we get God's attention. But before we look at that, let's back up a little bit and just give you a little idea of the book of Ephesians. So after five and a half chapters, Paul didn't really know anything about chapters, but some people wanted to sat down and gave him chapters. But after most of his letter, Paul nears the end. He gets close to the conclusion. He's established who we are as believers in Christ. He's given us the the idea of how we should live, the basics of the Christian life. What should we do? How should we be living? And then he comes in chapter 6 to this word in verse 10, finally. So he's summing up. And he's saying, in light of everything I've taught you, in light of who you are in Christ and how you ought to live, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because there's a spiritual battle that rages around us all of the time. But there's good news because God has given us everything we need as a follower of Jesus. He's given us the power of his spirit, the truth of his word, the armor of God to put on, and the weapon of prayer. And so the rally cry that comes from these verses, it's now it's time to put all of this to use. And the key component, what holds it all together, is prayer. The armor that God provides can't be used without prayer. A man who wrote a book a long time ago, his name's William Gurnall, said this, The Christian's armor will rust, except it be furbished, and scoured with the oil of prayer. And so prayer always is and always will be the way that we put on the armor. And we should do that daily. It's also the way that we put to use the armor that God has given us. And it's how we communicate, access the power and the work of the person of Jesus. And so when we pray, it's important. It matters when you pray because it, it's life-giving. It encourages us. It enriches our faith. It transforms our attitude. It changes situations, and it gives us access to the victory that Jesus has already secured. And so when should we pray? It's a great question, right? Well, Paul answers that for us, and he tells us that it's always time to pray. We don't have to have a call to prayer. We don't have seven times during the day that we should pray. There's always a call to prayer. And you see that in the text, and you see it in verse 18. He says, praying at all times. Now, you don't have to be a grammar expert or a Greek scholar to understand that praying all times means to do what? To pray all the time. And why does he want us to do that? He tells us a little earlier that we should pray because the day is evil. Again, it doesn't take an expert of culture to know that the day that we live in is evil. It began in the garden. Remember Adam and Eve? Sin entered the world and death entered the world. And there became a need for a rescue, a savior, a redeemer. And our sin nature rages against 
all the things that God wants, the ways of the world stand against everything that God intends, and the evil one, the devil, is against God, God's people, and all of God's ways. And it's an evil day, and we can see evidences of that evil all around us. One commentator said it this way, Anytime when the enemy comes against us like a flood, satanic opposition seems to occur in waves advancing and receding. And can't you feel that in your life sometimes? Sometimes it just feels like you're being battered one way and battered the other. Maybe sometimes you get a brief break, but then here it comes again, another wave crashes against you. And so the battle is ongoing, but as time passes, sometimes the battle will be much more intense. Sometimes it'll be not so intense, but you know, it never really goes away. And it's going to continue on until Jesus returns. And then he will put an end finally to this evil age. But also we need to understand that the enemy that we have is real. Verse 12 tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Which is encouraging and challenging because that means when you're standing toe-to-toe with somebody that you don't disagree with, that your real battle is not against that person. But it's against flesh. It's not against that. It's against the spiritual enemies that are arrayed around our universe that come against us. And so as Christians, we have spiritual enemies, but those enemies are not people. And those enemies that we have, they're real. They're present, they're persistent, and they're well-ordered. They have a hierarchy, they have a structure, they have a plan of attack. They're under the leadership of Satan, the devil, and they stand against God's plans and God's people. Now, that can be kind of discouraging. Okay, the day is evil. We have a real enemy. But, you know, Romans tells us, Paul tells us, if God be for us, who can stand against us? And so we can have confidence and assurance of a victory. And we have to take our stand, and the way we do it is in prayer. The word stand is four times in just these short verses. It means to hold your ground, to not yield, to not give up. I watched a, a news little clip on ESPN the other day, and a student trainer got into the final couple of minutes of a college basketball game. I think it was at Texas Tech, and so he looked just like a normal average guy. He has on a uniform, and the, and the crowd went wild, and the whole team you know, was cheering when he went into the game, and he stood in the lane and took a charge. You know, and that's probably the most self-giving thing you can do in basketball is just to stand there like this and just let somebody crash over you. And they did. He went tumbling to the ground. He stood his ground. He stood firm. And the the teammates were just, they erupted. I mean, you thought he'd have hit the game-winning three-pointer. But he stood his ground, and they celebrated that. And that's the idea we have here, that when we put on the armor, we stand firm. And we are to put on that armor. It's something God gives us to stand firm. And it's ready there, and it's waiting I don't know if you remember the song, but many of you probably do. There's a song, Stand Up, for Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And one of those verses, it says, Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger be never wanting there. And so we put our armor on in prayer, and we use our armor when we pray. Because when we put on the armor, we're actually putting on the Lord Jesus Christ at Colossians talks about and we're able to stand in truth 
to stand in the righteousness of Christ, to stand in the peace that he provides, to stand on the truth of the gospel, to stand in faith, and to stand with his word, which is the sword of the Spirit. So it's always time to pray. And when we pray, it's important to know that you're not standing alone. How many of y'all have a prayer partner? You have somebody that when you need somebody to pray, you, you call on that person, that person prays with you. You know, some of you do. Probably there's somebody that you just you can text or you can say, hey, I need you to pray for me. Well, let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit is your prayer partner if you're a follower of Jesus. You notice again in the verse, look in, ver, in the, that little phrase, praying at all times, in the Spirit. You see, in the Christian life, we always have to depend on God's power. It's not our own power. It's a power that comes from him that can only be, he's the only source and it is all powerful. So he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because his strength is perfect. His name is above all names. His power is above all powers. There's nothing that equals that. And so if you ever hear people talk about, you know, that that you have equal and opposing forces. You have God over here and you have the forces of evil. That's a bonk. It's not true. God is all powerful and everything is in submission to him. And the Bible teaches us that that's resurrection power. It's the same power that raised up Jesus for the dead. And so if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can get us out of bed on time change Sunday, right? My goodness. Yeah, some of you are probably, your brains are probably still in a little bit of fog and, and mine is a little bit too. But the truth is here is when we pray, you don't pray alone. Because Jesus, right now, if you're praying, Jesus is in heaven interceding for you. Hebrews tells us that, that he is at the right hand of God and he lives forever to intercede for us. And the Holy Spirit in you is praying with you. Listen to these wonderful verses in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, y'all probably aren't weak, so this probably doesn't mean much to you, but it speaks volumes to me. For we did not know what to pray. Again, sometimes, you know, I don't know what to pray for like I should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He, pray, he prays for us with groanings too deep for words. That's why when we're praying and nothing really can come out of our, 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 our mouth more than just a sob or, or a whimper or tears from our, our cheek, that the Spirit is praying for you. He understands. And He not only does that, He searches hearts and knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. He knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So you have the most perfect prayer partner you could ever ask for. And you don't even have to send him a text message. You don't have to give him a call on the phone. He is real and he is present in you if you're a believer. And you can stand in prayer because the Holy Spirit empowers our prayers. His intercession, his strengthening in our prayers. He guides us along the way. Helps us to know what we should pray. And then he prays for us, especially when we don't know what to pray or how to pray. But also, you know, He empowers our prayers when we pray in the Spirit. Basically, that just means that we want to pray in a way that's on the same page as the Spirit. Don't you just like that when you're having a conversation and everybody's on the same page? 
you're talking about the same subject at the same time. That's what God intends, is that when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying in the power of His Spirit, by the leading of His Spirit, cooperating with the Spirit, because we want to do what? We want to connect with God in heaven, and we want to see God move and have results. And so if you're a Christ follower, you never pray alone. Jesus and the Spirit pray with you, and you always have a prayer partner, and you never lack a prayer agenda. And you have a wonderful opportunity to enjoy this adventure of prayer. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's not really adventurous. Prayer is kind of boring. No, prayer is exciting. In fact, Paul wants us to know that when we pray, you know what we should? We should pray all kinds of prayers. We should pray different types of prayers as we pray. That means there should be variety in our prayer life. Now, honestly, some people would have to admit that their prayer life consists of praying before a meal. And some people that would be even more deeply honest would probably say that that prayer is not much more than God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. But we have it our we have available to us this wonderful gift of prayer. Now some of you are handy men, some of you are carpenters, some of you do other work, and you realize that there is a tool for every job, right? There's something that you can go to Home Depot or you can go to Lowe's for and you can find the tool. And if you have the right tool, you can do the job, right? If we were soldiers in battle, we would find out that there's a weapon for every battle. Just like the old saying, um, you know, you don't take a, a knife to a gunfight. There's the right weapon. And prayer is the weapon that we have. But here's the good news. It's for every circumstance. And let me tell you, if you are praying with the Holy Spirit as your prayer partner, your prayer life will not be boring. You'll learn to pray different types of prayers, and you'll see God begin to work in your prayers. Now, in the verse, Paul says it this way, with all prayer and supplication. So all prayer, meaning all kinds of prayers. So what kind of prayers are there? You might wonder or you might not, but sometimes there's just prayers where we are just adoring God for who He is. It's all about, God, I love you. I love you because, you know, you are forgiving. I love you because you are a healer. I love you because you love me when I am unlovable. There's also times when we pray prayers of, of thanksgiving. God, thank you for meeting my need today. Thank you for helping me get over this struggle with anger, this struggle I have with not paying attention. God, help me. Then there's also praise. God, I praise you for and if you have a textbook of learning how to praise God, because page after page of Scripture is filled with who God is and what He does. A great starting place is just to turn to the book of Psalms and begin to read and see how David and others give praise to God for who He is. But then there's also times that we pray prayers of confession. God, I'm sorry because I did this. I'm sorry because, you know, I wasn't focused. I'm sorry because I let this whole day pass away and I didn't spend time with you. There's prayers of confession that also turn into prayers of repentance and say, God, I repent from that. And we're assured in Scripture that if we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us. But then there's also prayers of supplication, and that's the time when we get to the asking. Because God wants us to make our needs and our requests known to Him. In fact, he, he tells us that we shouldn't be anxious about anything. 
but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving to make our requests known to God. And then what does he say? The peace of that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I quote that verse so easily because so many times um, it is anxious. I'm, I'm anxious about everything and I need to start praying about something. But there's also variety that we can have in our prayer life by the way that we voice our prayers. Sometimes prayers are quiet prayers. They're in our mind. They're, they're just thought prayers. They're not really voiced out loud. Sometimes they're voiced out loud. Sometimes they're a spontaneous prayer that just erupts. Or sometimes it's a well-thought-out prayer, maybe if you're praying before an assembly or a meeting. Sometimes people pray in circles. Sometimes people pray sitting next to each other. Sometimes people pray all at once together at the same time. Or sometimes people just lift up different sentence prayers. But also the way that we stand, the way we sit, the way that we kneel, our posture can change when we pray. Sometimes we pray standing up. Sometimes we pray seated where we are. Sometimes we pray on our knees. Sometimes we pray while we're walking around and it's okay to do that. Sometimes it's okay to pray with your hands raised. Sometimes you have to you can pray with your eyes turned toward heaven. If you look at the Bible, it tells us that's how Jesus prayed. Um, I haven't found it. It may be in there, but it didn't there's not a verse where, you know, Jesus said, Bow your head and close your eyes. But you know, so we can pray. You know, you can pray with your eyes open. If you pray while you're driving, I, I highly recommend it. Um, and the number of people in our prayers. That can be different. You know, you can pray by yourself, but remembering all the while that you're not really alone because the Holy Spirit's with you. You can pray as a couple, you and your spouse. You can pray as a, a pair of, of group or a pair or small group of friends. You can pay, pray in your Sunday school class. You can pray in somebody's home in a small group. You can pray together as a whole congregation. But the main thing is to pray. And Paul says we should pray often. We should pray all kinds of prayers and it's okay to pray with different groups of people. Because, again, let me say that. God intends prayer to be an exhilarating adventure. So don't settle for the same old, same old when you pray. Ask God. Just seek out and say, God, let me have a fresh encounter with you today in prayer. Invite and expect his presence to be with you. And let me tell you, you're not going to be disappointed. And you're going to come away excited and you're going to be eager for the next time. But you know, even when we are excited about prayer, we engage in prayer, we still need encouragement to keep after it. Because what happens? Busyness kind of creeps in. All of a sudden, there is an eight-hour work day that you need to do 12 hours worth of work. And so, you know, eight to five turns into eight to eight. And... And then you have to have dinner, you have to spend time with your, you know, your spouse, and then you have to get to bed because you have to get up and do it over again, and you got to bed late, so the next morning, you know, you intended to get up at 6 so you could spend time with God before you left at 7, and you had to sleep in because you're tired. Busyness creeps in. Distractions come. If you want to have somebody call on the telephone, if you want to have somebody knock on your door, if you want to have something just pop up, an email that seems urgent, just sit down and dedicate it and say, God, this is my time that I'm going to have to pray. I'm going to set aside this time to pray. And I guarantee you distractions will start to come. Things will come into your mind that you maybe haven't thought of in 10 years that you need to do. I've built some of the longest to-do lists trying to sit down to pray. 
And so distractions, but also life just happens. And if you're not careful, life will happen without prayer. And so Paul tells us that we should be alert and keep praying. Look at the verse that says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. He wants us to keep watch over things because, again, the battle is ongoing. We said that earlier. The devil is real, and so is the struggle. And this struggle is intense. Close quarters fighting. It's hand-to-hand combat. It's, it's wrestling. And it's going to continue on. It's going to rage on until Jesus returns. And so we have to face the reality that this is going to happen every day. It's not going to go away. The devil is not going to take a day off. His forces of evil aren't going to take a vacation. And so we can't afford to take a day off or to coast either. And so Paul says, what? We can't let our guard down. The phrase he uses in the ESV is to keep alert. It means to stay awake. It's the same word that Jesus uses with the disciples in the garden when he says, you know, couldn't you not watch and pray? You know, couldn't you stay awake? be on guard. It's the idea of keeping your spiritual eyes open, to be ready. It's not to be lax, not lazy, and certainly not neglectful. Think in terms of a soldier in battle. You know, they are called to be ready at all times. They have to be alert because, what, they never know when the enemy is going to attack. You know, they don't get a 15-minute warning. You know, they don't get a bullhorn from the other side. You know, in 15 minutes, the enemy will attack. You know, prepare. No, they have to be ready. And the Christian soldier has a call to be ready as well. Because, you know, you may not be going under something you would consider an attack right now, but let me tell you, you're not immune. Just wait. It'll come. And be aware that there's attacks that are very subtle that happen all the time. You know, some of the most destructive things that happen in the battle are those things that aren't an all-out frontal assault. But there are those subtle ways that the enemy flanks our defenses, that does a sneak attack. And so those feelings of doubt, fear, feeling unloved, those are just those subtle attacks, those, those voices of the enemy telling you lies to do what? To distract you from your mission, to take you away from prayer. Selfish thoughts. You know those me thoughts that we have every day where our flesh rises up. And those fleshly thoughts are fed by temptations. You know, those things are subtle attacks. Temptations and trials that come. You know, if we're not careful, they sneak up on us and they draw us away from what we really need to be about. And so there is a calling today for for moms and dads, for granddads and grandmothers to stand in the gap for children and grandchildren. Husbands praying for their wives, wives praying for their husbands, friend praying for friend, because the day is evil, the time is short, and we can't let our bow, our guard down. But we also can't give up the fight. And the word here is perseverance. It means to be strong or to stand firm, to be steadfast. Another way One person translated it was obstinate persistence. I'm not going to move. Staying on task and not relenting. An intense effort 
in prayer. Luke 18, Jesus tells this story. I'll, I'll take, if you want to take time, you can read it later. He tells this parable about a widow and a judge and how this widow just will not give up. She will not let it go. She is just, she's just persistent and persistent in appealing to this judge. And the Bible tells us, Luke tells us, that Jesus told this prayer, told this parable, so that men might, men ought always to pray and not lose heart or not give up. So let me just ask a question. What would it take for you to, to stop praying for something, to stop fighting the battle? Sometimes doubt, sometimes fear, sometimes just laziness or, or weariness or fatigue. But what if we didn't stop until we heard the answer from heaven or experienced what God was willing to do on our behalf? Look at this verse, Colossians 4, verse 2. It's in the Amplified, and so you may want to check it out on the screen. Be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. You see, when you're fighting this battle, you can be alert, you can be persistent, but it's also very easy to think you're the only one fighting. You know, you're like, well, I'm the only one here. I'm standing my ground, but there's nobody standing with me. But I want you to remember you're not alone. And Paul wants us to know that we should pray for all believers because you're not the only one in the battle. All of us are in the battle. And so he says we should make supplication for all the saints. You know, a soldier in battle is very dependent on the other soldiers around them. They have to work together carefully to achieve their objective. There are times when they have to provide cover fire for one another if they are advancing. And they offer support and aid in times of crisis. Every one of you, every one of us is in the battle right now. Some of us, some of you are armored up and ready. Some of you are armorless and defenseless. But you don't stand alone. There's others alongside of you. People offering prayer, covering for you. People that are in the battle. See, it's God's people against all the forces of evil. It's not just you alone and the devil. He cares about what you do and he will attack you. But there are people all over the world that are under the oppression of evil. And the enemy has one objective, and that's to stand against anything that God stands for. And so we have a call to stand together, stand together against the enemy. Let me read you another short quote from a commentator named Charles Hodge. No soldier entering the battle prays for himself alone but for all his fellow soldiers. They form one army, and the success of one is the success of all. Oh, that we could catch that in our churches today. That congregations would be more interested in cooperation than competition. That Christians would be more interested in cooperation than comparison. Because our success 
depends on our working together, but it also depends on what God has provided. It's his provision. God's given us everything we need, if we're a believer, to fight the battle. We have all the armor. You can read about it in verses 10 through 17. He's given us that armor. He's laid it at our feet, and he's called us to put it on daily. He's given us the sword of the Spirit, which is his word. What a treasure we have. He's given us the power of the Spirit. He's given us the weapon of prayer. And he calls us to pray for everyone in the battle. Intercessory prayer means praying for other people. Standing in the gap. Standing before the Lord for people who are standing in need of prayer. It's an unselfish act. Remember, I talked earlier about the the young man that took the charge. You know, sometimes we are the person that takes the charge from the enemy on behalf of someone else as we stand in prayer. Great British pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, One of the great mysteries of faith is that prayer actually works. God could do everything without us. Have you ever thought about that? God could do everything without us, but he has elected us and chosen to work through us. Therefore, we are dependent on the prayers of others, and he commands us to pray for one another. It's essential that we understand that we need the prayers of one another. That if we're honest in our heart of hearts, when we're taking prayer requests and somebody says, nope, I'm good, it's not the truth. They may think they're good, but they really do need prayer. You need prayer. I need prayer. We need the prayers of each other collectively. That's why when God brings somebody's name to mind or a picture in your mind of someone, don't take it lightly. Pray for them because you never know at what moment God may use you to intercede on their behalf for a need that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind to pray for them. I've heard story after story, you know, of, of things where there's a crisis and it's a crisis moment and, and somebody has a rescue and then they talk to somebody else and they they said, you know, I was praying for you this morning. Was something going on? Yeah. Well, what time was it? Well, it was just about this time. Oh my gosh, that was the time I was going through this particular situation. So we need the prayers of each other, but also let's not forget our brothers and sisters around the world. There are men and women who are standing in hard places for the name of Jesus, that are literally putting their lives on the line or sacrificing their lives for the name of Jesus. And in those hard places, places like North Korea, places like China, places like Iran, God is moving. The church is growing. And they have caught a hold of this truth that they are desperate And they have nothing without Jesus. And in those places, Jesus is all they have. They don't have anywhere else to turn. They can't turn to to technology. They can't turn to their influence in society because they have nothing but Jesus. And so they need our prayers. As we draw to the end, and we're at the end, let me just remind you what I said earlier. Prayer is the spiritual weapon that we as believers can use to secure victory. And that victory was won on the cross and was declared to all the world by the resurrection. 
And all, every person who places their faith in Jesus has the ability to walk in victory. But our walk is our choice. See, Ian Bounds, who lived around the time of the Civil War and after, said this, Without prayer, the Christian's, Christian soldier's life will be feeble and ineffective. Without prayer, he is easy prey for the spiritual enemies. And whether or not we experience victory in this life is directly tied to prayer. Prayerlessness will end in certain defeat. But continued, spirit-led, persevering prayer is the path to victory. And so I want to leave you with a question to think about as we close and pray. Where do you need to see victory today? And so think about that. Picture it in your mind. Ask God to bring it. You know, where do you need to see victory? Where are you looking for victory today? And then in response to that, just two follow-up questions. Are you praying toward that end? And do you have other people that are praying for you? We pray with me. Father, we are grateful that you've given us this gift, this weapon of prayer that it's the means you've given us to secure victory. And so, God, I ask you this morning in our, in our hearts that you would help us to identify an area or area or two where we, we need to see victory, where we need to see you break through, we need to see you do something on our behalf, and that you would lead us to begin to pray in faith toward that, and that we would invite the assistance of others in joining us to pray for that. Oh Lord, we thank you that you have outfitted us with everything that we need to live the Christian life. That you've given us the power that we need through your spirit and we've given you the mean, you've given us the means to access the throne room of heaven and the storerooms of heaven where there is every spiritual blessing and that's through the gift of prayer. And we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So keeping that thought in your mind, where do I need to see victory today? We're going to take opportunity to respond to God. And maybe that response is directly in relation to that, that there's something you say, God, this is where I want to see victory. I'm lifting it up before you. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to keep praying for it. And I'm going to ask somebody to pray for me in that. Or maybe there's another need. Maybe, you know, today is the, the day that God has begun to speak and work in, in your heart. And you think, you know, stuff that hasn't made sense in the past all of a sudden makes sense today. And I realize that here I am, a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior. That I need to just make a commitment to follow and walk with the Lord Jesus. Either for the very first time by saying, Jesus, I put my faith in you. Or to just recommit and to realign yourself along those directions. And the day is for that also. It's an opportunity for us to hear God's voice, to listen to what he says and respond. So I want to invite you to stand together. We're going to sing. And as God speaks, help us listen and respond.
is it's always good to be together and to see you guys and what a wonderful time of, of worship where we really lift up and exalt the name of Jesus so thank you worship team up front and then also we have a secret bass player in the back um, if you didn't notice um, Lannon has ran sound and played bass at the same time um, so that's pretty awesome um, we're going to try to get him to do a third task next week and see how many different jobs we can give him to do at once and I think he can do it but we're glad that you're here um, it's always a pleasure to worship together corporately to hear our voices and to sing so in fact we're going to sing another song and when we start singing together you're free to go Lord bless you oh, victory. 